All right, hello everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Strictly Hoop Talk. As always, I'm your host, Chris Platty, and once again on the podcast, you know with the Lakers moves, I had to get my guy, and that is Cranjus McBasketball. Tim, how you doing, man? Chris, I've been good. You know, just when something big happens, I'm just waiting for, for the DM to <laughs> say, hey, you want to jump on the podcast again? Um, I love talking this stuff with you. We, we finally have a good thing to talk about with the Anthony Davis trade. I know the past several appearances or attempted appearances have been, you know, negative after negative. Um, so, you know, things are looking up, hopefully, question mark. Um, there's enough hope left, I guess I should say. We'll see if the Lakers can find a way to screw this up. Yeah. Very, very, very true. I mean, it has been it has been bleak for the last couple of times I've had you on. So I'm glad you could kind of take this take this victory lap, if you will, when it comes to this. But as we get into this discussion, I'm sure you and I both feel that there's a lot more the Lakers need to patch out before this thing gets to where you guys want to get it to. But man, it's been a crazy NBA season. Toronto won a championship, and that just seems like a total afterthought because of this Lakers blockbuster trade acquiring Anthony Davis so Anthony Davis was acquired for and Tim correct me if I'm if I'm mistaken anything here everything um, <laughs> but Kyle Kuzma is, is the correct answer Lonzo yeah. Ball Brandon Ingram um, Josh Hart and three first round picks one was the fourth overall pick in the draft which they moved and I won't get into all, all of that asset part of it but also a 2021 and a 2024 with the right to change to 2025 correct uh i'm a little iffy on the 24 25 stuff but that sounds right yeah you you have the volume correct and i think the years are correct yeah i believe i believe what it is is they have the right to swap in 24 25 or 24 but if they want they can delay it one more year to 2025 is the way it's been broken down to me. But like you said, it's pretty mm-hmm. much just Anthony Davis for the entire Lakers assets, every every asset the Lakers had. <laughs> um, let's jump into it. So with with the Anthony Davis trade, and there's a lot of controversy because surrounding the fact that because of the time this trade is completed, uh, affects their cap space. Right now they're sitting at reportedly $23 million, and that is... That is not assuming Anthony Davis weighs his, weighs his no trade clause, right? Which is a or not his his trade kicker, which is four million, correct? Yep. Yeah, we're we're hoping he will, and mm-hmm. it had been talked about as maybe something that would deter maybe Boston just a little bit, knowing that he wouldn't for them, but probably would for the Lakers. But I, I think what they're planning to do is go after who they can in free agency, and then if they need to go to him and say, hey. This four million is going to be the difference between player A and player B that might provide more context and give him more reason to leave money on the table, which is something we may assume these guys who make a lot of money already are, will be willing to do. But I would never, never assume somebody's going to leave four million dollars away from them and their families. So hopefully the Lakers provide him a good reason to do so. But just like you said, if if not, they're at I think you said twenty three. I think that's yeah. right. Yeah, 23, yep. so with the potential to be about 27, 28, somewhere in that range. Um, <laughs> and, and the max slot, for reference, is is 32. So that's the big talk, is the Lakers can move uh, Bonga, Mo, Mo Wagner, and all these all these extra couple pieces 
and get to the $32 million. Again, it's a more difficult trade route. because It's a more difficult route to that third max salary slot because of all the trades that they've made or, or because of the timing of the Anthony Davis trade, I should say. But um, overall, let, let's just, I want to hash it out with you, Tim, as my Lakers guy. What do you think is the best option for them? Is it is it to get the third max slot and get the Kyrie or whoever you can who are, or whoever you can get the Kemba Jimmy uh, Kawhi? I know they have they have uh, they have their eyes set on Kawhi as well. So there's a there's a lot of options there. Who knows which ones are realistic and which ones aren't at this point? But is it would you rather them chase that third max salary slot? Or would you rather them use that 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 slot to kind of just get three to four players? Because we've seen in the Golden State series, we've seen what what a top heavy roster does. And with LeBron being his age and Anthony Davis having his injury, which I'll which I'll push back because Anthony Davis the last two years before this season played seventy five games, so I wouldn't necessarily call him injury prone. But I I, I understand the label because of the little just minute injuries he gets from time to time. Uh, it Would it be safer to just fill out the roster around players that support LeBron and Anthony Davis rather than go for that third star? What do you think they should do? Chris, I think it really depends. There are just a couple guys that I would be willing to give the max to. Um, it's really unfortunate what happened with the the pair of Warriors guys, not just because you know it, it probably cost them a title or, or – at least had a significant role in that, but that's two more names with Clay Thompson and Kevin Durant that might not be, well, they're probably not going to be under consideration for the Lakers. Um, so their options narrow quite a bit. I don't think they're willing to have one of those two guys come aboard and then sit out a year. Um, I think there's a good chance we just see Clay resign and Durant might go somewhere, but he might be out for the whole, whole season. Um, so when it gets down to it, and, and that max slot actually, it differs depending on how long somebody's been in the league. So for Kemba, I think it'd be about 35 million. Um, whereas for like D'Angelo Russell, I think the Lakers will only need like 29 uh, million for his four-year max. Um, but that said, I don't think either of those two guys are ones that I would spend the max on, considering the Lakers situation. Uh, I, I think what we need to consider is somebody like Kawhi. You, you pay the money and you don't ask questions, and you go get your nine. Isaac Bonga is your nine minimum guys, and, and you deal with it. Mm-hmm. If somebody gets injured, regardless, um, you're not going to be in good shape for a title. But if you can get a Kawhi caliber guy, go for it. Right. Kyrie, I think I would put in that group as well. Um, Jimmy Butler, I would have in that group. Uh, after that, there's there's a pretty big drop off. Am I am yeah. I missing an, another big name? No, um, I, I think you're right. I think I think that's okay. the, the nail on the head when it comes to this situation is that yeah, you you defined it perfectly. Okay. There's a tier that you're willing to that you're willing to commit that salary slot to that third max slot to, and I agree. It's basically just Kawhi, Kyrie, and Jimmy, because um, Jimmy yep. was uh, phenomenal. I I get the knocks on Jimmy, but he was phenomenal in the playoffs for Philly, and I think I think under the right circumstance, which this Lakers franchise would be the right circumstance for Jimmy I think that I think he's worth the max but outside of that the Kemba's you're probably overpaying a little bit now granted Kemba's a great player but you're 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 definitely you're definitely slightly overpaying with Kyrie to 
the thing that works with Kyrie especially is that he matches Anthony Davis's timeline, and then if you sign Kyrie, that kind of sets you up for the post-LeBron era, right? Like that sets you up perfectly to where you have the two, and then you get, and then you just have to get that third. Mm-hmm. Yeah, if you can, if you can bridge that timeline and get somebody that would be valuable long term, that that would be fantastic. Um, so I think the thir- first thing to think about is really is are of all the available players who actually deserves or who would be a good who would provide a good ROI return on investment on a max deal. And I think it is just those three guys, D'Angelo Russell. I don't think somebody good enough, at least not right now. And based on the math we have at my website at Basketball Index, even with his projected growth based on his age, his position, and where he is with each of his skill sets right now, he. In all likelihood, there's about a 60-65% chance that he won't be returning value if you give him a max deal. Um, Same with Kemba Walker. He's another guy who he's talented. He's very good at a couple things. He's had a great impact where he's played so far, but he's probably not worth that max deal just on his own. Then you need to get a step further and say, okay, as a third guy on a team— do you really want to be paying max money for, for the third option? And if so, they better be a very, very good shooter, a very, very good defender, a great finisher. You want them to be a good off-ball player that meshes well with Anthony Davis and LeBron. And I think the only players that really knocks out would be like, I don't think it would make a ton of sense to go after Nikola Vucevic with mm-hmm. the specific scenario the Lakers have. Um, you've got Anthony Davis. I don't think a second big man at that kind of money would make a lot of sense. Um, I wouldn't be as enthralled with somebody like D'Angelo just because I don't think he's talented enough, but he's also not a great defender and has been a very ball-dominant player so far in his career. Um, So that kind of knocks a couple guys out. And and then it gets to, is the value that somebody can bring you at max money as the third option, is, is that worth the opportunity cost of being able to sign solid role players? Um, and there are questions about how much those role players will actually cost. Um, this can be a very theoretical discussion because we don't really know the market value of anybody right now. Um, and that makes it difficult. But if you can get somebody like Danny Green who can play really good perimeter defense, can shoot really well, and that's pretty much it. But he can go stand in the corner. He can go run off of screens. That adds a lot of value and won't cost anywhere near a max deal. Um, so the the marginal value added between him and somebody who can, you know, he has the extra skill sets, but is in a role as that third option that won't really be utilizing them. That's where the math starts, starts to get iffy for somebody like uh, like D'Angelo or Kemba. Um, so I'm thinking if you can't get one of those top guys, look at the role players that are available. I think there are some good big options that are cheap or should be cheaper Um I think you absolutely try to bring back Alex Caruso at a minimum deal, JaVale McGee at a minimum deal, and then use your one-room exception and then try to grab two or three quality players that can shoot and defend. And I think that's really all you're missing with this team. If you can right. put shooters and defenders around AD and LeBron, um, maybe a player make, playmaker or two in there, um, you, you should be in decent shape. Right. And... I, I think I think you hit the nail on the head when it comes to this this third max slot and that there's definitely the tier of the three guys that we that we both agree on that you go for and 
the reason I'll, I'll push back against the people who are all about who are all about you know just not not using that third max slot and instead filling out the roster and getting a bunch of Danny Greens and stuff. And while I agree with you, if you can't get one of those three guys, that's the route you should pursue. Patrick Beverly, Danny Green, all of those type of players. Um, the one thing that I think the Lakers will will have to do is you have to get to the math is like you need a baseline of seven or eight guys that could play in the NBA Finals, right? Like that's essentially what the Lakers need to go for and so with the buyout market i think the lakers could actually get another two extra players there so really you just need to get to you have lebron you have kuzma and you have davis and those three players i'm sure can play in the nba finals at this point um in some type of role so you need to get if you're the lakers to in my eyes if you enter the season with six guys that can play in the nba finals you're in decent shape if you get if you get seven or more you're in great shape because I think the Lakers will be a definite appeal as a buyout market I would be nervous about that um, with how the Lakers cap situation is I guess you can go if you were to get a max guy and and so we'll what would they have they'd have LeBron is one 80 is two a max guy is three Kuzma four um Talon Horton Tucker they drafted is five whoever you can get on your room exception is six so there's six guys right there that should be able to play um but if you're going into the year and just hoping that somebody is bought out in February like I, I mean if we look at who who the buyout guys have been this past year it was Markeith Morris who wasn't playing very well Wesley Matthews who, who who was a value um, added to Indiana, and he was a positive player there. So that's a good guy. And his cancer added value. Wayne Ellington was a, a good skill set. I, I think he went to Toronto, right? So he didn't really he went play to Detroit. much. The oh, Detroit. Okay, Don't that's forget. right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. I can't, <laughs> I, can't, I can't make any Pistons mistakes around you. Yeah. Um, no. So, I, I mean, this year they've been good. But, I mean, last year, Marco Bellinelli, probably also good. Greg Monroe, Joe Johnson, Irsan Ilyasova, Fort Brewer. Um, the year before that, Matt Barnes, Mike Scott, Andrew Bogut, Darren Williams. So those are decent guys. I think the average, you know, uh, rotation player you'd get from that is probably your eighth or ninth man, mm-hmm. probably like your ninth man on a title team. Um, so I would want to have seven or eight guys I feel good about going into the season, if possible. Okay. Because if if you think about building a title team – one way I like to think about this, and Darius Soriano, who runs Form Blue and Gold, the Laker website, has done an excellent job explaining this, is think about the slotting of the players that you have. LeBron, he's the number one guy. Great. Anthony Davis, he can be your number two guy, but he's really a number one talent. So you're you're really up a slot there, which is good. Yeah. If they can get a third max guy, again, you're doing fantastic. But if you're number five guy, should really be like a number nine in a rotation. That's bad. If your number six right. guy should be a number ten in a rotation, you see, you see what I'm saying. It, yeah. You want to be able to have guys who can play to the role that you're expecting them to have. Um, mm-hmm. And there's only so far, or there's almost some, there's only so much that you can put on those top guys and just not have the roster behind them and be able to get by. So I, I, I'm hopeful. Um, it's a tough situation. I can easily see the Lakers. Doing something like Max and D'Angelo Russell, who I don't think is one a Max player, two 
a, a great number three option um, along with a bunch of minimum guys. It, it's I don't know. I'm worried. I, Rob Polinka hasn't shown us much of a history in his position to give me confidence that he will be able to figure out these little minute uh, moves that in the end will make the difference. Because I, I, I have no doubt that Rob Polinka can figure out, you know, LeBron James is good, we should sign him. Or Anthony Davis is good, we should trade for him. Um, and I can argue he did a really poor job in that trade negotiation. Um, but those other moves, there, there are names that I look at. I'm like, oh, this would be a good player. And I'm also like, I bet Rob Polinka doesn't know who this is. <laughs> um, or So I'm worried he's going to chase names he knows or try to negotiate things and it'll go poorly. So I'm, I'm in a cautiously optimistic i don't know that's probably not the right description because i'm <laughs> i'm probably pessimistic because i think they're going to find a way to get through this in a very rough fashion and need to be relying on those buyout guys um and you may see teams around the league just decide not to buy players out we saw in the draft sure. teams had second round picks available and the lakers are trying to buy picks and it was reported that teams were just not giving them to the lakers because they knew the lakers needed them so if we something if we see something similar to that with the buyout market, the Lakers are in trouble. True, very very good point. You touched on something with Anthony Davis that I want to get to. So let let's circle back to that the initial Anthony Davis trade because you said you 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 could argue that Rob Polinka did a horrible job. So give me the case on 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 your thoughts of the Anthony Davis trade because I did I did a live podcast when it happened and. I was kind of of the mindset that, you know what, um, Anthony Davis is Anthony Davis, and yes, you gave up the field, I, you gave up the field, but I, I was just so focused on the fact that they were able to keep Kuzma that I was that I was ecstatic from a Lakers perspective about that trade. What was, what was your initial reaction to the trade and like how, and, and now after sifting through it, like how do you feel about it? I when when we look at how it was approached and and what happened, I would liken it to you know contract negotiations between like a company and a union. Um, and and with with the work that I do, I've you know heard a lot of different stories about oh we were negotiating with the union and we knew the person who was sitting at the table for them in the negotiations really wanted this specific thing, and we really took advantage of that um, because that person was not negotiating on behalf of, you know, the people they were supposed to be negotiating for, they were really, you know, trying to fill their own self-interest. And when you can compromise somebody like that or know that they need to get this job done, you can, you can really abuse them in a negotiation. Um, and we see that in the business world all the time. In this case, Palinka needed to get this job done. Um, the, the part that can be bothersome is the fact that he threw so many picks in there that he really didn't need to do um, just because the difference between this Laker offer and the next best offer that New Orleans would have gotten was just so large that the, the, the Lakers overpaid. They didn't need to pay this much. And, but, but from Rob Palenka's standpoint, if he doesn't get this job done, he, he doesn't care about the you know, 2025, 2023, 2024 picks because if he doesn't get this job done, he's not going to make 2022. Mm-hmm. So in his eyes – his purpose and his goals are not quite aligned with what's in the best interest of the Lakers organization. They're, they're very similar, but just not quite the same. And that resulted in an offer that was in all likelihood 
more than the Lakers needed to give to get Anthony Davis. Um, I, I had uh, I had a, a, an executive, um, a front office executive, DM me after the trade and talk about how he's seen in the past where when they see somebody's invested like this and they need to get it done, the asking price goes from you know this is what Anthony Davis is worth, therefore you know give us give us what he's worth. It turns from that into give us everything. And if you're not giving us everything you possibly can, we're going to keep pushing until you do. Um, so that left us in a position where, you know, they kept Kuzma, <laughs> but that's really all they kept. Um, so there's not much worse of a job that Rob Plinka really could have done. There's, I mean, except for giving up, you know, he's not going to give up LeBron. Kuzma's the one asset he was able to keep. And he gave away several assets he didn't need to give away. And I think that's because he knew he needed to get the job done and the Pelicans knew he needed to get the job done and they ended up getting a great haul of assets back and they turned that number four pick into, I think, three other picks. Um, yeah. So they have they just have a treasure trove of, of assets moving forward and, and good for them. They did as well as they could have in this situation. Um, but, I man, I would have loved to see what Boston would have been offering because I hear Tatum wasn't on the table. The Knicks offer wouldn't have been close um, so the Lakers probably overpaid by a lot. Yeah, we'll we'll jump to Boston in a second because this obviously has ramif- this Anthony Davis trade obviously has ramifications of how Boston's offseason will continue. But to me, the where I want to push back is is your point about Rob Polinka just needing to get this job. He he needed to get this job done, and well, I agree with that, and I understand the context, and I understand that. New Orleans negotiated from a leverage perspective and they were able to get that to me to me what crossed the line in this trade was the 2024/25 pick cuz that was just so far in the future with LeBron's future uncertainty and like Anthony Davis's future uncertain again Anthony Davis could in a very slim chance decide to walk away after the season I don't think that's happening I know you don't think that's happening but um, there is that possibility, and just even at the end, like 2025 is a long ways away from now. So while you would have liked to have seen that the Lakers keep that from a Lakers fan perspective, I would argue that Rob Polinka didn't necessarily do a terrible job because I I think he was like you said I think he was in a harsh situation where he basically had to get that deal done, right? I mean. He needed to, so he did what he had to do to get it done. But the Pelicans also weren't in a great position overall. Um, or, or, I mean, if the Lakers set the price that they thought Anthony Davis was worth based on the market rate, not you know what, not what Anthony Davis is worth in the in a vacuum, but what the other offers the Lakers thought were out there, and just mm-hmm. stuck to that. I think eventually, over time, Anthony Davis's value would, would continue to drop until we're at a point, maybe at the trade deadline or before the trade deadline, where the Pelicans just need to do the deal. And right. at that point, it'd be, he'd be much cheaper. Um, so they're in a, they were in a strange position as well. It's, it's not just the Lakers who are up against the clock. Um, but I don't know. Like, like you said, he had to get it done. If it works out, if Anthony Davis does stay... And, you know, LeBron continues to play well over the next couple of years and the Lakers can get a third guy and sign them long term. 
hopefully the picks in those years won't be good picks anyway. Mm-hmm. So ho- hopefully if it if it works out, it's not a huge cost, but it just didn't need to be there, which is what bothers me. Um, and right. if Anthony Davis were to not resign, then this is just an absolute disaster because you were left without pretty much any of the prospects that you had other than one, and you are left without all of your future assets for the most part, and <laughs> you're stuck with old man LeBron and Kyle Kuzma and not a whole lot else. So that's that's... It's scary if, if Anthony Davis decides to leave, but I think they expect him to stay or they wouldn't have done this, and I expect him to stay as well. All right, well, let's transition from one scary outlook to another scary outlook, and that is Boston. And now being a Lakers fan, I don't think we've talked too much about Boston when you and I have been on the podcast, so I don't know if you're a totally, if you're a totally anti-Boston because of your Lakers roots, but... Um, Boston, to me, is obviously the interesting loser in this Anthony Davis trade. They don't get Anthony Davis. Um, It seems like they're losing Kyrie, and now it seems like they're also losing Horford. Um, How how do they build their roster moving forward? After the trades they made through the draft, they can ultimately waive Terry Rodriguez's rights and and have max cap space. Do you think they're trying to make a pitch to Kawhi? Like, what is Boston doing? What should they do now? I don't think they should expect to get Kawhi to come over or Jimmy Butler. Um, They're not in that sort of position, having lost Kyrie and and likely losing Horford as well. Um, As a Laker fan, it's nice to see. Um, (laughs) I I don't despise the franchise as much as I know, you know, some older Laker fans do. I definitely did not like the Kevin Garnett, you know, Rajon Rondo, Ray Allen teams, Paul Pierce teams. Um, but I, I was a fan of Brad Stevens for a bit. Um, that, that fandom has dwindled away the more I've dug into him and realized that he runs some great out of bounds plays, but there's a lot else that I'm not a huge fan of. Um, so I, I, I enjoyed and I rooted for, and I even went to some of the playoff games when Isaiah Thomas was there. Um, so I don't have as much ill will as, as many other people do and many of my followers do. Um, and, and I always I, I constantly get some crap just because I don't hate the the Celtics and have right. praised them at different points in time. Um, but yeah, they're they're in a tough spot. Uh, Terry Rozier, I don't think is a great prospect. He did not play well this year. He shows up very poorly in, in the talent grades we have at my site. Uh, but I don't I feel like they probably can't just let him walk unless they know they have somebody lined up to, to come in. Um, it, from, from what was reported, Kyrie talked to Anthony Davis about Boston and about the negative experience. And I think the, the way Boston has handled Isaiah Thomas did not do them any favors. Um, this, this is an industry where we have people who make it to the top because they make very shrewd cutthroat decisions, or, or maybe we have GMs who are very smart with things like analytics but it's a people thing as well. Every right. every industry is, every business is. If you don't treat your people well, people won't want to come there and work for you. Um, and there were decisions made this past year with the Lakers where they were purposefully trying to do things to, you know, give off the perception that they treat their guys well. And trying to be the antithesis of what Boston has has given themselves as, as somewhat of a brand over recent years. And I think... The example, the this situation has been a good example of how that can hurt them. Just with people leaving, 
and possibly hurting their recruiting in terms of getting players to come over there. I think they still have some good prospects in Jason Tatum, in Jalen Brown, um, and, and they have a couple younger guys as well. So I, I'd say just keep working with them. They still have some assets. Uh, they need to understand that future first-round draft picks are more attractive than when the players are actually drafted for the most part. So it's, it's a delicate game compiling assets. Um, you need to pick your spots and you need to figure out when the right time is to cash those chips in. And, and they very publicly missed several of those opportunities with like Paul George or even Kawhi Leonard. So they need to focus on their culture, fix their brand, fix their image, continue, continue trying to sign guys at value. And even if they don't get a big name and they still just have their young guys and, and can get a couple decent role players, I think Brad Stevens can probably coach them to close to 50 wins. Um, and that can be, you know, this is probably going to be a rebuilding year for them, fix the image, continue, continue to develop those guys, and then try to pounce the following season is the way I would, if I were a Celtics fan, that's what I would be prepared to see is we're not going to get a big name, but make those smart marginal moves, fix, fix the image a little bit and then try again next year. Yeah. I would I would agree with everything that you just said. I think that's the proper way to go about it is look at this as a rebuilding year. And let's see, look, you know, obviously the big problem with Boston was that was that the player the young players thought that they were better than they that than um than, than their role was than the role that was given to them that season with Kyrie being back and and all of that and Hayward obviously coming back. So I would I would agree. I would I would say let Boston just kind of rebuild around Tatum and Brown because I think that's a great start. Like we see how important wing players are in today's NBA and Jalen Brown, I think he's a great two or three on a championship team. Jason Tatum, I don't know where he is yet. I'm not sure on if he's if he's a one or if he's a two on a championship team. But you have a, a, a very nice foundation, and if you can piece around it, yeah, you don't have all the assets you once had because you cashed them in for guys like Kyrie, and those things didn't work out. But you know what? At the end of the day, you now, you now have cap space, and you can make a run at a younger prospect like a D'Angelo Russell or a or a Malcolm Brogdon of Milwaukee and you could try to and you could try to find someone that fits that core timeline of Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown. But yeah, to me the most important thing is rebranding the image, right? Like this is this is something I've talked about on my podcast several times is that players around the league noticed how Boston did Isaiah Thomas. And well I can't necessarily blame Boston for making that move because it was a clear, from an, just an asset and business perspective, it was the right move to make for Boston. But again, like you said, there's a people element to business as well. And I think Boston really underrated that value because Isaiah Thomas was so beloved in Boston. And with how they've, uh, how they've treated Hayward, and they haven't treated Hayward poorly necessarily, but they've made it clear that Hayward's like almost an afterthought in their future. And this was a guy two years ago they signed to a max contract, right? So it shows how quickly Boston 
Danny Ainge and that front office is willing to move on from players if they're not producing. So you're right. This is a year to me where you kind of see what you got. Hopefully Hayward is better. Hopefully, um, hopefully Brown and Tatum, um, you know, develop and, and thrive in a better role. But I, I agree with you. The number one thing Boston should be doing is focusing on rebranding their image, not chasing another big free agent who could potentially leave in the next year or just totally, or, or just totally spur them and just to just decline their, their, their advances. Mm-hmm. And, and it's interesting because in, in that same state, you have a team that's won a lot of championships very recently and mm-hmm. done so as the new new England Patriots done so by making those moves and getting rid of guys, making those trades right before somebody drops off and continuously making smart asset decisions to put good teams together that can compete. And when it works, it's, it's great. If it were to not work, we might see some of the coverage like we've seen with the Celtics. And, and honestly, if, if Gordon Hayward doesn't get injured and Kyrie doesn't have the injury that, that he had, this team could have been competing for a top title and we might be looking at this very differently. Um, and, and that's the interesting thing about the perception game. The other thing with Boston where I think they do have a very positive perception that uh, I think is maybe misdirected, and, and I'll push back on your idea that Tatum is, is a one or a two on a title team and Brown is a two or three, is those are two good prospects, but I don't think either of them are where... I, I don't think either of them are as talented as the public perception um, and, and I wouldn't say that they fall in line with, with your, uh, assessment of, of, you know, Tatum as a one or two Brown as a two or three. I, I mean, if, if we just look at the talent grades at, over at my site, they're both players that are good. There are a lot of B's on their profiles. Um, but if we're looking at the, if we're looking for the A's or the A minuses, so a top 20% of the league in, in terms of a skill, Jalen Brown has zero of those and Jason Tatum as that for perimeter shooting and for his post play, but nothing else. So I, I think they're good, and I think they've been in a position where, uh, you know, especially the way Boston has treated them as though they're these really, really special guys, and the way Boston has treated their assets in general, I think has changed some of the perception, and, and the m- positive media coverage is a big part of this as well. I think the, the shine on them is a little bit too bright, and over time, we'll see it diminish somewhat. Um, if I were the Celtics, I probably would have made some of the trades that they turned down. Just because, not that these players weren't good, but because the market value set for them was higher than reality. And they should have cashed in on that. Um, I think one of the most overrated things in the NBA is youth. And it's really just about getting good players and understanding that, you know, just because somebody's 19 or 20 doesn't mean by the time they get to 24 or 25, they're going to be an all-star. Um, Danny Inge hasn't drafted anybody who has become an all-star in his tenure with the Celtics in what, like a decade. Um, so they need to be smarter about making some of those business decisions. Uh, and I think they can do that in a way while also trying to improve their brand like you're talking about. Um, so it's it's a delicate balance, but if they can do both of those things and not overrate what they have already, I think they'll be in a better position to succeed. Because if they just sit on a bunch of first-round draft picks, 
that you know end up getting turned into okay players. Um, I mean, the the average you know late mid to late first round pick isn't isn't a special guy. Um, if they just wait on those and have those almost expire by having them turned into actual players, and then just wait on Brown and Tatum, and they don't quite pan out the way their market value is right now, that the Celtics are in trouble. Yeah, that yeah, that's a very fair fair and interesting point that you bring up. Um, again, I might be just a little bit uh, higher on perception that on Brown and Tatum than you are, but yeah, that, that you're very well right. Like if they don't pan out to if if let's put it this way if 2000 if 2018 19 was a greater indication that than 2017 or 18 then boston's in trouble right like you know in 2017 18 those guys when they they were one game away from the finals and you know you could say the east was the east and and all that but they were obviously they were obviously playing much better than they did the the following season this last season that we just pitched so Again, Boston has a tough decision to make. They, they're they not in the situation where they're totally like my Pistons were uh, a couple years ago where they're just, they have no assets. They have no way to improve their roster. Their roster doesn't fit. They're not in that era, but they're in, they're in an area where it's, where it's very just like it, it's fluid, right? Like it can go either way. Like maybe Brown and Tatum work out. And all of a sudden, you know, all of a sudden, you know, maybe one of their other prospects that they have hit. And next thing you know, the Boston is on their way to a a championship path once again. And they have their own blueprint or those guys that they currently have don't work. And they don't have many more assets outside of that Memphis pick that they can really build upon for a future. And then they have to kind of start from scratch almost again. And, mm-hmm. and and maybe even overcommit to Brown and Tatum, and then that causes some uh, financial issues moving forward, a la Andrew Wiggins in Minnesota. But let's jump to some free agency talk before we get out of here, because I know the draft happened, but you and I, we're both, um, you're, you're a little bit better at, 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 at studying the draft prospects than I am, but... Um, neither one of us would claim to be experts in the draft, so to speak. So let's jump to the free agency talk. So we'll just do some quick hits. I just want to pick your brain real quick before we get out of here. And we'll, I'll go through like the top like eight or nine free agents that I have on my list. And you just tell me where they go. Sound good? Okay. Yeah, that works for me. It's all speculation, but I'll, I'll do yeah. my, my best. <laughs> all speculation, no aggregation, no nothing. I don't think I'm famous enough to be an aggregator, but... You know, just putting that notification out there. Uh, Kyrie Irving, where do you think he goes? Ooh. I was hoping you wouldn't start with him. Uh, <laughs> he is somebody that I think the Lakers have a very good shot at. I think Brooklyn has a very good shot at. There's been a lot of noise around Brooklyn. Um, I'm, I'm going to say the Nets. Yeah. That's what that's what I would say too. Just because I know there was a report that came out that the Nets want Kyrie and KD. They they didn't necessarily think it was just gonna be Kyrie, but maybe now it's just gonna be Kyrie. That's kind of interesting. We'll get to KD in a second. He's on my list, but um, I still think at the end of the day, the Nets are the Nets. He signed with Rock Nation, and it just seems like it seems like too many stones were set in turn for that for that situation to not follow through 
but but I'm with you that if it's not if it's not Brooklyn, it's it's L.A. I think it's either one or the other. I think mm-hmm. that's uh, I think those are the two options. Kawhi Leonard, where do you think he goes? I'm gonna say who. This one's tough because we don't have great reporting on it. Uh, yeah, it's, any at it's all. Gonna, and, and, and from the from the reporting we do have, the teams have no idea either. It's at, at this point, I think it's going to be between he's him staying in Toronto, him going to the Lakers, and him going to the Clippers. I think the Lakers are probably the third most likely of those three. Yeah. I think him going to Toronto to me would be my number one, and then Clippers number two. Um, but I can I can switch those as well. I'm gonna say. Toronto because they want a title and you know he seems to have some good relationships with his teammates seems to be enjoying Canada enjoying uh you know winning the title he, he seemed to have more of a personality as of late <laughs> um I, I know we, there's been a lot of Kawhi sightings around Canada recently so so that could be him you know embracing the country or it could be you know his farewell tour so different ways to look at the same same stuff but I'm gonna say Toronto and if not Toronto the Clippers yeah I, I'm with you I'm with you as far as those are the two options um I don't I don't think the Lakers are all too possible um Tim before I give before I give my answer with Kawhi uh w- if you had to give a percentage for the Lakers what do you feel that percentage is that Kawhi actually is entertaining the Lakers entertaining I mean I, I think there's a shot that he takes a meeting with them, I think there's maybe a 25% chance they get him. or 20 20 to 25 is what I'll say. Okay. But I I think they're in a position now where he'd have to take a pretty big pay cut to do so. Yeah. And I don't think that's likely unless the Lakers can make a very, very strong pitch through the marketing side that, hey, if you sign with us, you know, we can show that players signing for us that are superstar caliber guys will likely get this much more endorsement money um, as opposed to you staying in Toronto. And once we see the financial figures on what he was able to get over the past couple months after winning a title, and they, they can compare that with what previous Laker players have made after winning a title. And, and I, I think if the Lakers are going to pitch him, they're going to have to be able to come up with a very strong financial part of why coming here makes the most sense um, because he would be taking a pretty big pay cut. Yeah, and he would also be taking from a branding perspective a, 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 a cut as well, right? Like, obviously the Lakers are the are the Lakers, and that's a very strong brand. But what I mean by that is he would be considered, you know, like one of the guys, not the clear-cut guy, right? So that would be... Yeah, the, the, the truth might be that he'd be the best of the three. Right. It, it's it's possible that he would be. And actually, during the regular season, I think him and AD would be... I think LeBron would tone it back during the regular right. season. Um, so I I think you make a, a good point. That would be a valid concern and, and may very well end up being what happens. But I can also see a possibility where he ends up rising to the top and being the guy for them. Um, but just, just based on his personality, he may get less recognition or less embracement from from fans yeah that would be nuts just as a quick side note like if Kawhi ended up on the lakers that would really just be like the unique uh, the all-time unique situation that would be like 
because you can make an argument that people forget that a year ago we were considering Anthony Davis as the best player in the league when he absolutely just demolished Portland. And then you have LeBron, who's obviously LeBron, and then you have Kawhi, who came off this historic run. It would be unprecedented to have a team where you have three players who could arguably be the greatest player in the league when the league has never been more talented. That would be absolutely nuts. Yeah, for sure. They'd, they'd definitely have three of the top 15. You can make a case they'd have three of the top 10 players in the league, and that would just be absurd. I would I would say safely three of the top five, honestly. I don't know where you fall on that, but I would say pretty safely three of the top five. But um, with Kawhi, I, I'll go with the Clippers, and it's more of a gut feeling than anything. Um, I know people, the interesting thing about this discussion about Kawhi is, again, because of his personality, we don't really know what he's thinking or, or where he wants to go. But I've seen people use both sides of the argument, like like how in Summer League, Summer League confirms your own biases. I feel like that's, that same attribute has been applied to Kawhi's free agency in that some people have said, oh, he won the championship, he owes Toronto nothing, he can leave. But then I've seen on the other side, uh, you know, if he didn't, if he wouldn't have won the championship, oh, he needs to leave and go to a place where he will win a championship. And he's already a two-time champion, so really he's like the total anomaly of a free agent, right? Like he's he he's got all the credentials he needs. He just is able to go to where he wants to go, and, and make that situation count. And well, I think. It would be hard to walk away from Toronto after all he did for that city and all, and just the, 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 the type of legend and his perception in Toronto because that stuff means something to players, right? These players are human at the end of the day, and so they're going to love to be in a city where they're cherished and beloved and idolized. But I, I, just, see, I, I just see that from the jump, it's, it's been that Kawhi wanted to be in L.A., and I don't think he wants to be with LeBron. That seemed to be the reports last year in free agency. Correct me if I'm wrong, but um, I I would see I would say Kawhi goes to the Clippers because it just seems like it seems like this season was just almost a gap season, and that while he was going to try and while he was going to do his best to win a title because he's a competitor and because he's an a- an athlete, he his end goal was to play in LA because he's already established he's been a finals MVP he's won championships all of that yeah no I'm, I'm with you and those were the reports that I heard as well um and, and the discussion of well he wouldn't be he wouldn't want to be with the Lakers because he'd be in LeBron's shadow mm-hmm. you know begs the question if if he if he were on the Clippers the the entire organization is in in some degree in the Lakers shadow um right. and he'd still be in LeBron's shadow so that that would be, I guess, the argument to try to push back. But, but yeah, I have still heard a lot um, in, in recent noise about him going to the Clippers. So I, I, I fully support your pick for him going there. That would I was pretty <laughs> torn between Toronto and, and the Clippers as well. Okay. So Kawhi, I have him going to the Clippers. You have him going to Toronto. Um, if you think – I've heard also, the, the before we move on to KD – um, Kawhi, I've heard the one plus one if he stays in Toronto. Do you think it's more likely that he would do that or a long-term deal? Ooh, that's not something I had considered. I, huh. I think he'd probably do a one plus one just to keep his options open, especially mm-hmm. with how a lot of their better players 
or I mean, or maybe a lot of the players they lean on are older guys in right. Kyle Lowry and Marcus All. So I think that's, or I, I would say maybe the best thing for him. I don't know what he'll actually do, but the best thing for him would probably be to maintain flexibility and and an ability to get out of a bad situation if it were to turn bad. Right. Yeah. I I, I think that's I think that's the interesting thing about Toronto. I think if he signs, he would do a one plus one just for ultimate flexibility in case the Toronto thing, he'll be like, look, we had a great season. I'll run it back. It's hard to walk away from a defending title opportunity, so we'll, so I'll do that. But if things go sour, if Kyle Lowry drops off, if Marcus Hull drops off, if Pascal isn't the Pascal we saw him to be last uh, last year in the playoffs, then, then I'm out type of thing. But, um, yeah, I have him going to the Clippers for the long term. Let's jump to Kevin Durant. Kevin Durant's very interesting, obviously, because of his torn Achilles issue um, or ruptured Achilles tendon, that is. Um, I I think that totally ruins his chances with Golden State. I mean, I had him leaving Golden State anyways. I think I've always had him for New York just because I heard way too much chatter, and I was somebody who didn't believe LeBron was going to L.A. last year, so that so that's Jade in my perspective that um that that same kind of talk KD and the Knicks has been is kind of what LeBron and the Lakers were last year so only amplified even so I I have KD still going to the Knicks where he's able to just take a year off and rehab because KD is KD and he's going to get offered the max and even if he doesn't come back to be KD KD he's still worth a max level player because he's that freaking talented and, you know, I obviously hope he comes back the best-case scenario he can. But, you know, with that injury, it, it looks kind of bleak. Where do you have Kevin Durant going? Yeah, I was going to say Knicks as well. And, and for pretty much all the same reasons you said, uh, there are a number of teams that are probably less inclined to pursue him just because he'd be taking that year off. And I don't think the Knicks are in any position to <laughs> – take that yeah. sort of a stance right if, if they can get him at all and even if he comes back and is 75 percent of who he is today that that's i mean one it's still an excellent player and and they can market that and that would be still a huge thing for them if they can get a top 20 player let alone a top two or three player um right. that would be big for them so I, I think they won't at all be deterred by the injury in their pursuit of durant and i think you know, from what I've heard about him in, in different reporting, I, I think he would have interest in that sort of situation as well. So I'm going to say Knicks. Yeah. What do you think about the Nets? Because there was a report with Kyrie that it seems like by Brooklyn doing that Allen Crab trade to Atlanta to unload that salary, it seems like they're pretty confident with the Nets. And I never really thought of the Nets because I thought of the Nets like the Clippers, right, where it's a second-class organization in the city. So uh, so I couldn't see like a guy like KD or, or, or Kyrie going there. But now that I see Kyrie going there, or it seems like that's the favorite spot to land Kyrie, uh, with, with, Kevin Dur- with Kevin Durant being there, maybe, maybe he'll go there too. I mean, how, how real do you think the Nets is? Because the Nets wouldn't necessarily make that move if they didn't have strong indication. But you can also say that the that the Knicks wouldn't have made the Kristaps move if they didn't have strong indication, right? Like, it's it's really like two teams are super confident that they're getting Kevin Durant. Yeah, I, I think there may have been more going on with the Kristaps deal um, and, and just stuff that's not public. Uh, 
but I, right. I think what you're saying could it makes a lot of sense. The the temporal proximity of the Nets move to, you know, signing a guy in in like three or four weeks is a lot more clear to me than the Knicks doing what they did months and months ago. Um, so so I think there's maybe less less of a direct connection there for me, but I think that's still one way you could view that deal. Um, but it seems like there there have been things alluded to that more will come out over time. But there were reasons for the Knicks to make the move they made other than just to clear cap space. Um, I think the Nets are a good... I, I think it's a real option. And they seem to think it's a real option with the move they made to, to create the cap space. And like you said, them and the Clippers, they may be... I, I would say they're second-class brands in their cities. I wouldn't say they're second-class organizations in 2019. I think both them and the Clippers are coached better, GM'd better, and have better ownership at this point in time than the other team in the same yeah. city. Um, and I don't think it's particularly close, at least at least in L.A. Um, oh, I totally agree with that. Yeah. I, I, I just was talking from just a general perspective. Yeah, I got gotcha. you. Um, All things considered, they're the, the, the little brother franchises. Yeah, um, right. But I think that would be another situation where he can go in, he can rehab, they'll work with him on that. And if if they can get one other player, if they can get Kyrie or they do keep Russell, um, I mean, they'll. I think they'll be able to take that one year to get him back to where he needs to be. And they've made enough smart decisions in the past that I don't, I, I think this is something that's very real for them and, for KD, it would still be New York. And if he goes to the Knicks and all of a sudden he's with Kyrie and they're winning a lot and – or I'm sorry, if he, if they go to the Nets and are winning a lot and the Knicks are, continue to be not good, I don't think that will hurt him uh, or, or that's something for him to really worry about. And it's not like he has you know, LeBron James and Anthony Davis on the Knicks to worry about being overshadowed by. Um, so right. – I think it's – I'm going to say Knicks for him first, and Nets is my second choice for, for Kevin Durant. Okay. So either way, he's ending up in New York in your eyes. That's and my I'm, thought. And I'm totally with you on that. Um, Jimmy Butler and Tobias Harris, um, they both seem like they have options to leave. Jimmy, it seems like if I'm if I'm narrowing it down, it seems like it's, it, it, it's uh, Philly, obviously – maybe Brooklyn, maybe the Clippers, and maybe the Lakers. It'd be those four teams. Tobias, again, I feel like it's Philly or it's or it's, um, or it's Brooklyn or it's like a third un- unthought-of team like a Denver. Maybe Denver declines Millsap's team option and uses that space to get a guy like Tobias. Um, so... Tobias is kind of is kind of iffy to me. Where do where do you see these guys going? Because these guys are are um, Jimmy's obviously a tier above uh, above Tobias, but these are two interesting free agents that could really kind of swing next year's momentum in terms of title odds. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think so. And I think with these names and some of the others we may discuss, we might see a shuffling of seats almost. With I don't know if if Vucevic leaves Orlando, there might be a spot there. Or, you know, mm-hmm. Boston has a spot. Or does Indiana have max space? I think they do. Um, I don't think they do because of the TJ Warren no? trade. Mm, okay. 
Okay, we'll take them off. Uh, I know the Mavs will probably be players for some of the mid-tier guys. I don't know if they have max space either. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I think the Sixers will be in the in the running for both of those guys because they played there this year. And if either of them leave, they'll be looking at other options as well to replace them. Um, so, yeah, Sixers, I think the, the Knicks, if they don't get Kevin Durant, they'll be chasing Jimmy Butler and, and chasing whoever, they, whoever else they can. Um, the Clippers seem like an organization who would be able to recognize that Tobias Harris is a very, very good player and they can find an excellent role for him and he can be coached by a good coach in a good organization and they can i don't know they're one of those teams well that actually tobias can't big name oh, tobias probably can't sign with the clippers right because of the mcdice rule oh where you, that's a good you're point. traded by a team and you can't re-sign with them for a calendar year difference you're you're ruining my dreams okay <laughs> darn right. that would be such a good fit and, <laughs> and and now i'm realizing i know it would be a good fit because it was a good fit okay no you're right <laughs> You're right. All right. Scratch. Shout out the Pistons for that McDice rule, by the way. I don't know if you I don't know if you remember that, but the Pistons traded McDice to Denver where Denver just bought him out and then he re-signed with Detroit and everybody was like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem fair. Yeah, I mean it's it's a pretty pretty shrewd thing to do and, and yeah. makes a lot of sense that they'd add a rule for that. Okay. <laughs> wait, so who's left? Who who would have cap space? Because I don't think the Lakers would pursue Tobias Harris. No, I and don't think so either. I think Jimmy Butler's probably their like third or fourth option. I think he should be their third option, but he may be lower than that. And I don't know if they're a top option for him. Um, like I, I think, like I said, uh, some wonky teams could be like Denver, maybe New, maybe the Pelicans. Uh, I don't think Atlanta, because of the Allen Crab trade, is really in the discussion for a max slot, but they were before that. Um, so yeah, I would say I would say something like. His options are Philly, Brooklyn, uh, maybe New York goes for him as well, um, but I, I I doubt it. I think they would chase more likely a Jimmy, like you said, and then then it would probably be like a third, like like the next teams would be kind of the off kilters, the Denver or the um, who did I just mention, um, Pelicans. So, right. Yeah, I or, think so, at, at once those like top that. guys figure out what they're doing, it'll become more clear who's left that has the money and in, in, instead of four or five or six different teams, it might be between two for some of these guys. And I think Tobias Harris is one of those players where he's not going to be the first name that we hear about signing with somebody because I think he's not the first pick for any of these teams. Uh, right. So w- once we figure out where Kevin Durant's going, where Kawhi's going, where Kyrie's going, then Butler will fall into place unless, unless the Sixers just re-sign him immediately. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm not sure where Harris will go, but I think it'll depend on what happens with those other guys. So it's tough to say. Yeah. My, my gut is just right now. I, I just see Jimmy and Tobias re-upping with Philly. Maybe that's, maybe that's just me trying to not overthink things because as you can see, when we get to this part of the, this tier, like our heads start to hurt with all the possibilities, but, um, let's jump to Kemba Walker. Kemba to me seems like a more simple option. It seems like it's it, it's Charlotte, L.A., and maybe the Knicks, right? And that's about it. That's what it seems like. And because he's a designated veteran, he'd be able to sign for more money per year staying where he is than to leave and go elsewhere. Right. So he'd be turning about down about, I 
think 81 or 82 million dollars if he were to not re-sign with Charlotte. Um, so that is a lot, and I'm may, maybe this is taking the easy way out, but I think he'll pursue the 81 or 82 million dollars. And if he doesn't, yeah. I think it'll be to go to the Lakers. I don't think you right. turn down that kind of money to go to the Knicks and right. not be competing for a title unless it's with Kevin Durant or something. Yeah. Yeah, that that would be the only justification is if Kemba believes, if, if KD's going there and KD and Kemba are in sync. But to me, I don't think – I think if KD goes to the Knicks and he's going to create a title, I think he's looking at, like, Kyrie, not Kemba, right? Like I, I would that, assume so. That tier. Yeah, I would so, I would assume um, so. And, and for Kemba, it's either take the money or – a very very clear chance at a title um and i mean i mean in this year more than any other it's pretty wide open but there are a good number of teams where you know the knicks aren't going to be competing for a title unless there's there are other pieces that happen and they would probably need to fall into place before kemba would consider going there yeah i i would agree so i would say new york is a distant third on that list and it would be and it would be probably one is charlotte he just seems like he. It seems like he wants to stay in Charlotte, and it seems like he wants to build a winner there. And the only other thing would be if the Lakers say, "Hey, look, we got this max slot. Uh, Kyrie didn't come with us. He went to Brooklyn. Kawhi stayed in Toronto, or went to the Clippers. Kevin Durant went to the Knicks. We, uh, Jimmy, Jimmy stayed in Philly. You're, you're our guy. You know. But right now, option. right now, I think they're about like 12 million short. Or, or if uh, Anthony Davis you know, kicks the, the trade bonus, they'd be eight million short. Right. Uh of of what Kemba's so max would be. Pay cut. Yeah. Yeah. It wouldn't even be an it wouldn't even be like a like a max. They would have to they would have to make Anthony Davis waive his no trade cost and they would have to trade pretty much all of their assets beyond Kuzma to just to um just to free up uh and they would get like to a near max slot i don't even think they would get a technically max for what kemba would garner right right yeah so he'd be taking more than that 80 million pay cut to to go to the lakers yeah he'd be taking potentially in somewhere in the 90s which is ridiculous and 90 million dollars so yeah i I put lakers as a distant third because i do think kemba wants to win so I think the Lakers are semi-realistic, but I, I would say the favorite is Charlotte. He, I think he's more likely to leverage Charlotte to say, hey, pay me and go all in and trade for a guy like Kevin Love or something, and let's see what we can do here in Charlotte. I, I think that's the more realistic route. Uh, and, and then who is your number two? Who is your number two then? So Charlotte one, Lakers three, two would be the Knicks, and that would be contingent upon... Kevin Durant going there and then not being able to get Kyrie. Yeah. Okay. Gotcha. Um, yeah. So I'd have the, actually I'd have the Knicks third. I'd have I'd have uh, I'd have Charlotte one, Lakers two, Knicks three. Gotcha. Okay. Um, D'Angelo D'Angelo Russell. Um, you mentioned D'Angelo Russell quite a bit on this podcast. I did not think he was. Uh, <laughs> I did not think the Lakers fandom was even considering him after your boy snitched on a. Uh, snitched on Nick Young and all that and in in LA what do you think of what do you think is the possibility that D'Angelo Russell like if you were to give a percentage that he's a Laker again oh, some something too high he's <laughs> I've talked about him a lot on this podcast already <laughs> and none of it has been very positive because it's not he's not going to be worth what they would be paying him 
Um, oh, geez, percent chance, 30. I think it's higher than Kawhi, honestly. Wow. 30 to, I'll say 30s, mid-30s. And it's uncomfortable for me. I think it'd be a big mistake. Yeah, I, I'm with you there, 100%. Um, Indiana is the team, I think, that is... Or, oh, no, do they take themselves out of this as well with, with the Warren deal? Because that's um, who I was thinking. I was thinking the Nets yeah. or the Pacers up before the draft. Yeah, it depends if what they do with uh, Bogdan, who's a free agent. Okay. Um, I think that I think that would be like the difference between uh, D'Angelo Russell and 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 not having him. Okay. So yeah, I would agree. Like with that, Boston's maybe a chance just because he's kind of in the age range of Brown and Tatum. Um, just roughly thinking. I know Utah was interested, but they obviously took themselves out by acquiring Mike Conley. Um, maybe New Orleans no, no, no. put put the whole band back together. <laughs> <laughs> you would love to see Lakers that East. Laker. I Lakers. Would Man, that would be very, very interesting if that happened. That would be quite the story. Um, that would be a transition. Oh, also Orlando, right? But what? But I think Orlando's going to give Fultz a chance, right? Yeah, but I don't think you say no to D'Angelo because you want to give Fultz a chance. <laughs> very true. Very true. Um, he's really tricky, man. I have no clue where the hell D'Angelo goes, right? Because it's so dependent on what the Nets do. Yeah, I mean, so, somebody is going to give him a max, and yeah. they're going to overpay. And, and for certain teams, it would make a lot more sense than others. For the Lakers, it would make no sense. But for if if Indiana loses Boyan Bogdanovich, and they do have the space to to pay for D'Angelo, I think for them it would be worth it from a from a franchise standpoint even if I don't think the on-court production would quite match what you'd be paying for. Um, yeah. But yeah, I mean, Nets, I don't know, maybe maybe the Knicks, maybe the Lakers, uh, maybe the Ooh, Pelicans. The um, also the Timberwolves. He's, the... he's been linked to the Timberwolves too. Oh, that's true. Um, yeah. Are they, have hey, the Suns been... taken themselves out of it? Because he's been the linked Suns... with uh, Devin Booker as well. Yeah. Um, no, I think the Suns are still within it. Um, again, this is so crazy with how much the cap has moved and how many trades have happened. Um, that that it's so it's so in flux. But I think I think Phoenix could create a path for that just through the T.J. Warren trade, and then and then yeah, they took some salary back with with Baines. But I think they uh, I think they still kept um, some extra cap space, and they already had a, a plethora of cap space to begin with. So I think Phoenix is an option. Um, also again, like New Orleans, probably not, maybe, maybe Indiana, uh, maybe Boston, maybe Orlando. He's someone who's going to be, he's going to be really, really interesting to see where he ends up. Minnesota seems to be super confident they're getting him, but I just don't know how the hell they get to him with Andrew Wiggins contract on the books and towns. Yeah. I don't think anybody's going to take Wiggins at his money. Yeah, so I don't think they, I don't think they have to trade Wiggins, but I think they basically have to burn down their roster outside of Andrew Wiggins and Carl Anthony Towns to afford D'Lo, and I just don't see how realistic that is. Um, the next one, and this is a very, very interesting one, Boogie. Where the hell does Boogie go? Because I don't know what the hell his value is. 
<laughs> and neither do I. Let me see. Uh, I did a little bit of crowdsourcing. And let me see what the he was worth. All right, While so you're doing that, can I give you my pick? Sure. Give me your pick, and then I'll tell you what, what the crowdsourcing said. Okay, my pick, and this is just a total like heart pick. It's not it's not a gut pick, it's not a logical pick. I want him I want him on your squad. I want him in LA. I want him back with A D. I don't think for, they'll be able for to a afford reasonable him. contract. Yeah. That's that's the tricky part. Um yeah. he apparently is is gonna get either a one or two year deal averaging about thirteen million a year. Really? Yeah. So that's hmm. that's that's a lot. That would take the Lakers <laughs> out because in my eyes, I would see it as like a five to six million dollar, like pretty much what you took with the Warriors. Yeah. Like so if you went to LA, yeah, and uh, all it takes is one team to offer that. Um, True. So it, it, maybe he chases a ring, but if he doesn't, the Lakers aren't in consideration. I don't think. Yeah. So with that being said, so with that baseline, let's go off that baseline of 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 one to two years, probably like a team option, um, team option on the second year, thirteen to fifteen million dollar range annually. Uh, where 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 do you see him as a fit? Like Dallas, maybe if they don't get Horford. Um, I know they're trying to align themselves with Horford. Uh, where where else do they go? I don't. Th- Chicago has cap space, but I don't see them. I don't see them going after Boogie because they have their Wendell Carter Jr. and they want to invest in that. Like where where does Boogie go? I, I wish I had a great answer for you. I'm trying to think of the different teams because um, I don't think the Lakers will get him. He doesn't make sense in Indiana with the bigs they have already. Yeah. With the Mavs, I mean they already have. Luca and Porzingis. So I guess you could play Luca as like a three, um, mm-hmm. and and fit him in there. That would be interesting. Um, as I can say, as a Mavs partial uh, season ticket holder this year, that would be fun. Um, yeah. Man, I think he's another guy that once those bigger chips fall into place, teams are going to have money because there's a lot more cap space up for grabs this year. And he's going to be one of those players that gets more than we probably think he should get paid, and and ends up with the team just because they have the space to to spend it, spend the money. I don't yeah, have a good pick for you. I don't know. I, I think he can go a lot either. of different places. I think there are certain teams we can like cancel out just because he wouldn't fit with the, the roster. But I don't see him as somebody anybody's like, oh man, got to go get Boogie. And he's also not a name I've heard tied anywhere. Yeah, I don't know, man. He's super. He's super, super weird. It's just that was just the all-time weird scenario. He went to what was considered a shoe-in title, didn't win a title. Not only did he come back from a major injury, but then he had another semi-major injury in a torn quad, and then he came back early from that because it didn't look like he was healthy in the finals. Um, he had spurts of good basketball. Nobody really knows how good this guy is if he's gonna if he's gonna keep having injuries the rest of his career or if he or if he just needs like the extra off season to rehab and excuse me get back to uh get back to peak physical shape. But I I I, I truly don't know, man. I I don't know where Boogie's gonna go. 
I would love to just see him if the Lakers don't get the Kyrie or Kawhi, just say, hey, Boogie, like, we'll give you $5 million, Danny Green for $5 million, like, you know, and, and they, if they go that route, I could see them maybe going after going after Boogie, but I don't know who the hell takes that because it just it doesn't seem like there's a hand-in-glove fit, and that would make sense with you not hearing anything and myself not hearing anything with Boogie. Um, let's jump to Al Horford. So Al Horford, and then, and then I got one more after Al Horford. Al Horford seems like he's leaving Boston. Um, I I want to see Al Horford go to a contender. Maybe, maybe he goes to your Lakers. Maybe I've heard Dallas is the strongest one. It seems like that's the logical conclusion because Dallas is a type that they want to win. I, I get that he doesn't fit the timeline of Luka and Chris Stops, but Dallas has always been like a, Let's get the best player now and just be as good as we possibly can in this moment. Um, so I could see them going after him. The Lakers, I could see him as a very ideal fit next to Anthony Davis. That would be fun, um, but I don't know if at that price, if that's what you, if that's what you want as a Lakers fan. So I don't know. Where where do you think he goes? Yeah, I'll speak first as a Lakers fan and say that I think his skill set would fit very well with Anthony Davis and with LeBron James for that matter. But the skill set that he would bring, I I think you can probably, instead of paying him $20 plus million, I'd rather give like a, a room exception to one of the cheaper. Like, go get Dwayne right. Dedman to bring, to be a, a light version of what Al Horford would bring you. Um, I think would be the better value for the Lakers and then try to like go get if you can get Jimmy or Kawhi or Kyrie I think that would be worth it for for bigger money but he's Mm -hmm. I don't think I would pay big money as the Lakers on a center um, to pair with AD just based on like I mean you're essentially just looking for a stretch big that can play some defense and that and that fits what Horford could do but I think he can be more impactful elsewhere and I think the Lakers can probably be smarter with their money allocating it different ways um that's what i think maybe so tied up you'd be so tied up in your front court right you'd have horford kuzma anthony davis and lebron those would be your four best players and those would all be like lebron's a three but we know he'll play some four and maybe even some five in certain scenarios or whatever um here and there but um, maybe not that much because of Anthony Davis, but yeah, you're essentially tying your four, all your money into your front court, which is very opposite of today's NBA. Exactly. Yeah. So I think he would be uh, someone the the Clippers could go after, the Mavs could yep, go after. I think he would be a a great fit with what the Pelicans have. Um, I think a a big that can space the floor, run pick and pop to allow Zion to to get inside or leave driving lanes for Zion and and Brandon Ingram be a pick and pop partner for Lonzo Ball. Um, Lonzo was much more effective having Brooke Lopez out there with him. And then this past year, not having that pop guy, I think really, really hurt the pick and roll game of both Brandon Ingram and Lonzo Ball. Um, So I love the fit there. I'm not sure if they're, if, if the price tags match up perfectly, but I, I would. That's my dark horse. I would love that fit, um, yeah. just in terms of his skill set, the role he can have on that team. I think it's great defensively. I think it's good offensively. I would love to see it. That's what I'm rooting for. Is I guess what I should say. But I think Clippers and Mavs are 
realistic, probably higher percent chance he goes there options. Yeah, the Clippers would be really interesting if 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 they got Kawhi, if they if they did Kawhi and Horford together. Um I I I wouldn't see Horford going to the Clippers if uh if they didn't get Kawhi because they'd probably run back Montrez Harrell and well I think Harrell and Horford could play together. Um I think we we both know that Horford's best value in today's NBA is at a center and Hor- and Harrell's best value is also at a center so It'd be conflicting. Uh, while it could coexist, it wouldn't bring the best out of either of them. Uh, I really do like the Pelicans offer, but I, I don't know if it seems like it seems like Horford wants to win a championship, but it doesn't seem like there's really an option outside of L.A. And like we talked about, L.A. is not a great fit. So he's another interesting one, right? Where like he can go to a team and take them from a decent or solid team to a to a to a good team. But I don't think, I don't I don't think where he goes will end up um, defining the championship unless he unless he goes to LA. So so I guess you haven't heard uh, the, the news that now that uh, Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram don't play for the Lakers, they are actually indeed very good pieces and, and they're good players. So so maybe you should reconsider that opinion now that the Pelicans sure. have added two future All Stars along with their you know, transcendent lotteries talent. Um, yeah. And they have Drew Holiday. I think that would be just a monster defensive team that also would. would fit it, really, it really, really well really together good. on offense. Uh, yeah. I would push back on Harold and Horford not being able to fit because I think, I mean, tr- from a, from a one to five, your best position is center power forward. I think you're right. But I think from a being creative standpoint, and, and I'm somebody who loves designing offense, offenses and offensive plays. You can have those two skill sets on the floor together because Horford can shoot. Uh, right. So if he's off, ball, I don't that's think you fine. want Horford exclusively as a shooter. And I think that's what Harold would kind of make it not exclusively, obviously, but it would, it would force him to be more of a shooter than he, than Al Horford normally is like in Boston, he did a lot of roles and he got some post touches and you know he did some pick and pops too, of course. But um, I, it's I not a unique problem. It, it it wouldn't be a unique problem to have Harrell as an off ball, not involved in the pick and roll, big man who can't shoot. It, it, all that would mean is he'd either have to be in the dunker spot, ready for a dump off, or screening for somebody off ball or cutting. Um, okay. If he's just kind of hanging out on the perimeter, that that won't cut it. Um, but I think Doc Rivers is smart enough to be able to utilize. If they were forced together, I think he can make it work better than a lot of coaches could. But your concerns are legit ones and ones that, under many coaching staffs, I would not feel comfortable with with the, with that arrangement. Okay, that's a fair pushback. I'll I'll, I'll agree with that. Uh, last but not least, Malcolm Brogdon. Um, this one's very interesting. Obviously, the Bucks ha- are very hyper aware of this scenario or of this situation because they made the trade with my Detroit Pistons. Great trade for the Detroit Pistons, by the way. Shout out the Pistons. Um, they got, they, they traded Tony Snell and the 30th pick and, um, and Milwaukee, that's what Milwaukee sent to Detroit and Detroit sent John Luer. So thank God the John Luer era of the, of Detroit Pistons are over. We're almost, 
we're almost, Tim, out of the Josh Smith era as a side note. This is Ooh. the last year we'll be paying Josh Smith. Isn't that crazy? That's fantastic. As a Laker fan, we will continue paying Lou Altang for quite a while. So so I'm, I'm happy for you. Yeah, I, man, I pray, I pray, I, I, I can't wait for you guys to get to that point. I, I can't tell you the, the, the emotion, the, the, the just the, the happiness that comes from realizing you're finally done paying a player. But all jokes aside, they, they, uh, Milwaukee Bucks made some moves to save some cap space for Malcolm Brogdon. Uh, Malcolm Brogdon's obviously a very talented player. Uh, we talked about earlier him maybe being in Boston potentially. I think there's some fits around the league. Maybe he goes to Dallas, uh, Boston, maybe the Clippers. Uh, I I don't know really where Malcolm Brogdon ends up. I always assumed it was the Bucks because the Bucks were just unwilling to match him. But what Zach Lowe said on his podcast that struck me was that he said that the Bucks clearly by their moves have created a threshold that they want to keep Brogdon, but there is a breaking point. There is a price that's too steep for them. And I didn't think that was something that existed um, a couple months ago. Interesting. I, I think, I mean, with, with just about any player at a certain price point, it's just, it's just too much. I don't think Brogdon's a max guy. I don't think many players right. are max guys. Um, but, but the question would be, would somebody offer that? And, and if they do, are, are they getting themselves in an Allen Crabb situation where it was just, it was too much for, for the skill set that you were acquiring, um, to the point where like, you're sad to see somebody go, but it, it would have been a bad business move to retain them at, at the price tag. I think yeah. Brogdon is somebody that several of these teams won't bid on because they don't want to have money tied up in a restricted free agent and keep themselves out of making offers for other players. Um, like if the, if the Lakers offer him money and then can't offer that money to, to other teams because they're waiting for the bucks to respond. I think that's something that will scare them away. Um, I think a team like Boston would be one that, you know, one, his skill set fits very well with what they have. And two, I think they're a team that if they were to, I don't think they're going to get a top guy, but if they were to tie their money up on Brogdon, maybe overpay a little bit, I think they'd be comfortable waiting those couple days, maybe missing out on some other guys that they don't have a great chance at anyway because they're not really in a contending position right now. I think he would be a good fit for their you know, re- possible quick rebuild timeline, and I think he'd be a good fit on the court. So I, I like it. For, I like him for them, um, so I'm going to say either the Bucks keep him, or if he leaves, it might be a team like Boston or, or I don't know. Let's think of teams that would be okay having money tied up and, and possibly not offering somebody else. So maybe like Dallas. the Mavs, yeah, yeah. Those would be the three: Bucks, Celtics, Mavs would be my top three. Mm-hmm. And maybe Orlando too, right? Like Orlando if they. If they, because Brogdon's a guy who can play one or two, so maybe they can say, okay, you know, it's still Markel Fultz's opportunity, but if that doesn't work, we have Brogdon, and we're the Magic. We're not necessarily going for the Kevin Durant, the Kawhi's anyway, so we don't really got to worry about who, how we tie up our cap space. 
So I guess I would throw them into consideration. Okay. Uh, all right. Well, well then that'll be that'll do it for now. Um, free agency is just around the corner. It's a, as we're recording this. It's it's eight days away. Um, now now that it's not as on the East Coast time, it's past midnight. It's a very late recording for us, but um, that's what you do when when one's in the East Coast and one's in the West Coast. Tim. Thank you for coming on. Once again, this is Tim Cranjus McBasketball, head of the Basketball Index site, which is an incredible site that I recommend everybody uses. But if they don't know by now where to where to go to find the Basketball Index, go ahead and do your plugging because it's awesome. Okay, yeah. I mean, you can uh, Google Basketball Index and it should pop up or, or Google, you know, Cranjus McBasketball. And I'm, I think, the number one or number two thing that pops up. Uh, on Twitter, it's the underscore basketball, or I'm sorry, the underscore b-ball underscore index. Um, or if you just type Cranjus into Twitter, I'm the first thing that pops up, and you can you can find it through me. Uh, give the site a look. We are toning down on written content. We still have our WNBA content coming out. Um, we have a great data and tools package that has a ton. It has 20 different spreadsheets in there. Lots of interactive stuff. Our full grades database. Um, college data, pro data for men's and women's, international stuff. We have a free agency hub where you can go in and you can say, hey, if the Lakers give D'Angelo Russell a max contract, what's the, the percent chance that he's going to yield a positive ROI? And it, right now I think it's like 38 39%. Um, so you can play around with that and in real time figure out who is getting the best money on their deals um, we have all kinds of different stuff, player development ratings. You can see which coaches develop certain skill sets better than others. You can look at optimization ratings and see which coaches get the most out of the roster that they're given. Um, so we've got a lot of interesting, unique data. So I'd, I'd give the site a look. We also have our WNBA model going right now. And I'll say that the NBA uh, gambling market is, is very efficient and it's very difficult to beat. And we were, you know, we were able to, to do that this year, but WNBA is just a completely different beast, and there's a lot of market inefficiency out there. So if you want to jump on top of that, we're in, like I think, like the mid-60s right now, percent against the spread. Um, check out the site. Look at our WNBA stuff. Uh, follow me on Twitter. We actually have a podcast now um, yeah, that recently we launched. It. I listened to it breaking down the Anthony Davis trade. Sweet. Yeah, we had Flea on. It was, it was great. Um, flee from the the red hot chili peppers um so yeah check that out we have podcasts coming out every wednesday we'll be talking about you know data stuff at the site trying to add more context to it uh numbers are one thing but being able to explain what they mean and and provide some not narrative but some commentary that leverages them and, and works with them i think it is a really valuable thing to have so check that out as well it's the b-ball index podcast all right. Well, there you have it, Tim. Thank you for coming on the podcast, man. As always, I greatly appreciate it. And I'm sure I'll be hitting you back soon about free agency and uh, breaking down the Lakers' latest moves and, uh, of course, the rest of the NBA. But more importantly, the Lakers. It starts and ends with the Lakers, right, Tim? Absolutely, Chris. And, and I'm always happy to come <laughs> on. And, I mean, I think just from doing this exercise, we realized how many names – are possibly moving places. And we didn't even talk about like Vucevic. We didn't talk about Chris Middleton. Um, oh yeah. We didn't talk about 
who else? I think we, no, we pretty much like had everyone trade else. Tips like Bradley Beal, Kevin Love. Yeah. those are guys who are under contract that could be traded. Clay Thompson, insane. I'm assuming goes back to the Warriors, yeah. but Clay Thompson's another name. Bojan Bogdanovic, yeah. Willie Colley-Stein, I think it was released today that he wants out. Um, Julius Randle is possibly out of there. So there's a lot of a lot that will be happening in the next couple weeks. So I'm I'm sure we'll be back to talk about it soon. Thanks for thanks for having me again, yeah. Chris.